0: Welcome back. We're going to begin with a scripture reading. This is a little bit of a longer scripture reading. It's from Mark chapter 10, and it's the story of the rich young man. And this will be the first of the three passages in the Gospel of Mark that I'll be reflecting on together. So I'm going to begin with the scripture reading and a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man came running, running up, knelt down before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to share an everlasting life? Jesus answered, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. He replied, Teacher, I've kept all these since my childhood. Then Jesus looked at him with love and told him, There is one more thing you must do go and sell what you have and give to the poor. You will then have treasure in heaven. After that, come and follow me. At these words, the man's face fell. He went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples could only marvel at his words, so Jesus repeated what he had said. My sons, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to pass through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were completely overwhelmed at this and exclaimed to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus fixed his gaze on them and said, for man it is impossible, but not for God. With God, all things are possible. Let us pray. Lord our God, I thank you for The gift of this day, another day to be alive, to know you and love you and serve you. And I pray, Jesus, that you would stir within our hearts that desire for the fullness of life, for the perfection of charity, for growth and holiness in accord with our call. I thank you, Lord, that you don't give up on us. I thank you, Lord, that with you there is always a chance to start afresh. There's always a chance to begin again. Lord, just give us that grace not to miss the opportunity that today provides. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So last night, Father Lewis came over to dinner. Uh, That was Monday night. It was just a couple hours ago that he left uh, when I'm doing this program, as I mentioned. Um, And Do you do that? Do you guys invite your priest over for dinner? I encourage that, especially when, you know, if you have kids at the house, it's great to have the priest come over for dinner. Um, it, it's not only a beautiful uh, manifestation of the exercise of his pastoral care, his pastoring care and role in the life of your family, but it becomes a powerful opportunity for the kids to get to know the priest, your priest, outside of church, outside of Mass, And so I I do encourage that. I really encourage you to find ways to invite your priest over, um, to share in a family event, to come to the school, to come to a a sporting event. In fact, before Father came over for dinner, he was over at the Oaks um, where uh, the kids had a soccer game. And so he was watching the boys play soccer. And again, how beautiful is that? The kids were there and they get to see their priest on the side of the field, um, cheering them on. Um, And and you know what? It kind of, it makes you, I don't know how it feels for you guys, but my my sense is that the kids, they feel proud that their priest is there watching them and and they want to do well. They want to, like, they want to perform. It gets them to sort of up their game, right? To up their game because they um, want to, um, they want to shine. Right? They want to shine in front of their priest. They want to make their priest proud, if you will. And so, uh, I, you know, thank you, Father Lewis, for reaching out and saying, "Up, oh, time for a visit. And so it was great to have him come over. And the timing was also great because it was uh, game four of the American League Division Series uh, in Major League Baseball. And it just so happens that the... Boston Red Sox are in it they were winning two to one and the game four was in Boston and sure enough you get to the ninth inning um, and it is all tied up and the top of the ninth the Tampa Bay Rays um, they threaten a little bit but end up not scoring and then the bottom of the ninth it gets to one out and a guy gets on base, and then another guy gets on base, and it's now first and third, now second and third, one out. And sure enough, the next batter up, Kiki Hernandez, hits a fly ball that's far enough out, and the runner comes in from third and scores. So you call that a walk-off. So it was a walk-off winning run for the for the Boston Red Sox in the bottom of the ninth. So very cool after they won it in like the 13th or 14th inning last night so they they advance to the next round of the playoffs it's, it'll be the American League pennant that they'll be going for to basically the winner of this next uh, series goes on to the World Series. But something dawned on me about baseball it's it's so obvious it's silly but in linking it to the spiritual life that was this is the non-trivial part of it that baseball is different than football or basketball from the standpoint that there's no clock. And so the game is over, not when the clock goes to zero, right? When the clock goes to zero, game is over, no matter what the situation is, unless it's a tie, then it'll go into overtime. And then again, you're still based on the clock, um, unless someone scores, blah, blah, blah. But in baseball, it's different. In baseball... You can be behind the entire game. You can be behind a whole bunch of runs and get to the very end of the game, the bottom of the last inning, and you can come back and win. You can actually come back and win the game. And it, it, the reason why that dawned on me was I was reflecting on the spiritual life, especially in areas where we don't see ourselves making progress. Or when the idea of progress makes us feel a little bit discouraged, like, I feel so far behind, there's no catching up. Or I have such a long way to go, why even bother? Do you ever feel that? I think a lot of folks do. I think a lot of folks feel like, why even bother? When the distance that exists between me and the call that I have for my life is so great that I um, that uh, I just I don't even want to begin. Well, for those who are feeling that, I encourage you to realize that the life of faith, our spiritual lives, is not only like football or basketball in that it has a clock and there's a moment, and there's something at stake, and you know everybody's game runs out, but it's also like baseball even when you feel like you're very, very far behind, you don't have that time pressure, the clock pressure. You can still come back peacefully and win the game. You can still come back, get back into the game. So today inside Sound Insight, I'm going to speak, hopefully, some words of encouragement to help you get in the game, especially if you're feeling a bit like, I'm so far behind, I'm so far back, Why even bother? It's interesting. I uh, haven't mentioned keto for the last few weeks because I haven't really done keto for the last few weeks. (laughs) I think I hit that dead zone in the keto journey, and uh, I'm feeling it. No, I'm actually seeing it, and I haven't weighed myself for a week now because I'm afraid. So after the program, I'm going to go running. Uh, my treadmill uh, to try to uh, get back on track, as it were, um, with uh, some positive momentum. Um, because you know what? As exciting as it was to make that advance, to make that uh, advancement in uh, the the keto journey, eating healthy and losing weight and getting in better shape. Okay, there the zone that I was in kind of faded off, and now I've got to find a new way to reengage. This is also like the spiritual life. This is also like the spiritual life. So you'll read in um, like great spiritual classics. And By the way, this is all coming around to the theme of growth in the spiritual life, to these three passages in the Gospel of Mark. I haven't forgotten what I promised at the beginning of the program. I'm going to go through three passages in the Gospel of Mark that I heard in the homily from Father Lewis on Sunday about this rich young man And the theory, the one sort of classical way of uh, interpreting these three passages in the Gospel of Mark, refers to the same guy. And how that theme of this young man, this rich young man here in Mark chapter 10, is then complemented by the young man in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14 who runs away naked. And then in on Easter Sunday in Mark 16, where they come to the tomb, and inside the tomb, they see a young man who announces the message that he's not here. He's gone before that. He's risen, as he said, and that this is the same guy in three different states or stages of the spiritual life. So goes the interpretation. And so I'm going to reflect on that in relationship to the three ways, the threefold way, or the three stages of the spiritual life, the purgative, the illuminative, and the unitive way, or stage, of the spiritual life. So I want to do so in relationship to these passages in the Gospel of Mark, but also in terms of uh, the reality that as you move forward in the spiritual life, as you advance, you know what you should expect? You should expect that God um, will—has this um, like this natural spirit that he's given to you, like this natural like, tendency and inclination, this personality. Uh, he gives a certain uh, grace for the journey to fulfill the duties that you have in your state in life. So there are certain sort of standard practices that will be important for you to be able to grow in your spiritual life. There will be certain spiritual practices. So things like daily prayer, liturgical prayer, fasting, other spiritual disciplines. These are things that should be steady state uh, aspects of your spiritual journey. But then there will be moments of grace, moments of grace where you'll experience this surge of inspiration. You'll experience this ease of doing things that you weren't able to do before. It hadn't dawned on you to do them before. Or when you had tried to do them in the past, you just really struggled and fell short. But in this particular moment, my goodness. It's just flowing. It's easy. It is happening, right? In a in a really beautiful beautiful way, in a way that flows. And that was kind of like keto when I got launched right? That As I started doing it for a few days, I started getting this momentum and it was like, oh, this is easy. And how many times did I come on the radio and say, this is easy. And I, I would hear from guys that were months ahead of me in the journey saying, oh man, it's hard. I just, I cheated. I'm only doing partial keto. And then I just fell off the wagon and it worked for a time, but couldn't stick with it. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not going to be me. That's not going to be me. I got this. I got this. And I'm like, Who was that guy? I can't even recognize who that guy is (laughs) that talks like that, that says that about the doing keto. Now it's like, man, it is hard. It is a battle. And not only that, but it's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's like the spiritual life. There'll be a grace given for the moment. There'll be a grace given in a moment. And that grace will get you to be able to advance. But that's not going to be the steady state. The steady state isn't going to be that grace. The steady state is going to be something that is at a not-so-easy-flowing like easy flowing level. In fact, oftentimes, it's this alteration of those moments of great enlightenment and anointing and a sense of spiritual power where things go very easily that then give way to, it alternates with, a period that's dry and dark and difficult Not only am I not able to do the things that came so easily just days before, but I can't even do the basic things that I had going right all along. And somehow it seems as if I've fallen not just back to where I was, but to an even lesser condition where I'm not even getting up and doing my morning prayer. I'm not doing my faithfulness to my liturgical prayer, going to Mass. I'm uh, I'm not... uh, being is good about fasting and other spiritual disciplines. Did, did you ever experience that? Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. So there's the steady state reality of, of the, the spiritual journey. We'll talk about that. But then you should expect, ask, seek, and knock for those moments of grace, those moments where things flow with that sense of anointing and power, lightness and ease, where you can just move and grow. But then when you ask for those times, Don't be surprised when the darker periods, where there's that drop-off of that sense of God as well. We'll dig into more of this in just a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It's great to be with you all. And you know, I do want to um, thank you. I had a number of of listeners contact me and um, just speak about how encouraged they've been by... These recent messages regarding the idea that this is a moment for everyone to discover their own Egypt, right? Um, when I say like to flee to Egypt, uh, like Joseph fled to Egypt, um, that doesn't mean move to Idaho or Spokane. It means you have to find the place where your the ones that are under your care, right? Your family members. And, and you know what? I'm also being contacted by more grandparents now, not just parents, but grandparents who are finding ways for their kids and their grandkids to be brought up in communities that are more intentional, right? So that it's a, it's a moment of Joseph, it's a moment of Elijah, it's a moment of Benedict, right? The Elijah moment. There's this idea that it's, a, it's very refreshing and encouraging to some. I I I'm hoping to many to realize that, you know what, I'm not able to be Catholic and a Washingtonian peacefully any longer. I can't simply embrace all of the laws and policies of the state of Washington to support, promote, and applaud them and be a faithful Catholic. I can't. And so At some points, in very important matters, I'm going to need to make a choice. It's the Elijah moment. Am I going to stand up for the protection of human life at conception and cry out in a loud voice and influence others to stand for life at the moment of conception? Am I going to stand to protect the vulnerable at the end of life by offering them true compassion and crying out and pushing back against laws and policies that would take advantage of the vulnerable and lead them into places of despair when they're depressed, where they would potentially end their lives, even if it's presented in clever ways? And then the battles facing young people in public schools with comprehensive sexuality education eviscerating the innocence of kids, the battles coming through the use of uh, uh, social media platforms and the, the incredible lack of awareness on the part of way too many parents regarding what kids are exposed to and the clever, intimidating, seductive, and pervasive filth that pours in through those Platforms, the lies that it's sowing into our kids' minds and hearts, and it's undermining and overthrowing a Catholic Christian view of the world. You just, it's an Elijah moment. You just can't be Catholic and be peacefully American, embracing all of these popular ways of living and customs. You cannot. You can't faithfully bring up kids in that environment and think that their faith is going to be peacefully growing and developing no it is going to be slashed hacked at attacked undermined and overthrown we didn't choose the moment but this is what's happening in the moment and so uh, people are encouraged i i this is the, okay here i was talking with a business owner earlier today so this was yesterday monday i had a meeting with him and um, it was about real estate and he was asking me why I got into real estate. And I'm like, well, I want to help families. I want to help families that are um, wanting to move to places that are um, going to be a, um, a place of, of safety for their families, safety spiritually. And the guy revealed he was Catholic. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> let's talk about this. And it was another one of these stories. You just hear it all the time. And you know what? This guy got it. He got it. He's like, it's crazy what's happening in the world. Here's a guy who's not even going to mass every week, right? He he's Catholic. He self identifies as Catholic, but he's not a regular, regularly practicing his faith. And yet he said, um, you know, I um, my kids, my teenagers, they get it. They're like, this idea that where you know a, a kid is not a boy or a girl, they get it. They're like, Dad, this is just really weird. This is like a boy, you know, a boy can dress like a girl, but that doesn't make that boy a girl. This is what these kids are saying. And it's like, he gets it. And and it makes you stop and think, what do I need to do to preserve, protect, to provide, protect, and lead my family? And I'm like, that's why I've become a real estate agent. I just want to help families. I just want to help them to be able to sell a home if it's in a place that they're like, I've time to go. And if they want to get to a place where they are going to be uh, healthier for them and their family, I'm in. Let's go. I'm here to help. So um, in, a, in, in the next few weeks, might take me about a month, uh, I'm actually working to build up a network of trusted agents around the state that would work with me to be able to help you families. So whether you're in Seattle or Everett or Tacoma or uh, Bellevue, Kirkland, uh, you know, down in Olympia, if you're in Yakima, you're definitely over you here in Spokane and uh, Coeur d'Alene and Post Falls uh, in Idaho. Uh, I just want to help. I just want to help these families. I mean, I'm having these conversations all the time with families about in, in the, in the last five days I've had, five extensive conversations with five different families about how do I make it, what do I do? How do I how do I lead, provide, and protect my family? So it's just this Elijah moment, right? And and it's like there are not many places where they can go, where they can hear stuff like this talked about from the standpoint of faith. Right. So if it's an Elijah moment, you've got to make a choice, well then make a choice to be a Catholic who happens to live in Washington or Idaho. A Catholic who happens to be an American, but is going to stand up and speak out and push back with my Catholic faith in this moment. Right? That's what I'm going to do. Well, then let me let me move to a place where I can be with uh, other like-minded Catholics. That intentionality, that Benedict option. That's why I called it not just an Elijah moment, but a Benedict moment. Right? It's a moment where you need to come together intentionally. Now, some are going to be able to do that where they're currently living, but they're going to have to take much more serious efforts to gather together with other families because, especially when your kids become teenagers, they're going to be influenced more and more by their friends. And if the majority of their friends, their social circles, where they want to belong, try to belong, try to fit in, are kids who are Uh, heralds of all of the nastiness and toxicity of the present moment, it's going to impact their lives. I've seen it. I've experienced it in my own family. It is painful and it's dark and you don't want that for your kids, but it's going to mean no half measures. You're just not going to be able to do this halfway. It's not going to be good enough. It's just not. And so finding your Benedict option, finding your community and saying, let's walk together with a level of significance and commitment is just important. You need that, I call it density of relationships. You just need a density of families where you can walk it together because kids need friends. Kids need friends who are part of families who are walking the same path. Again, this 30 years ago wasn't needed. It's needed now. And so that's where that whole Joseph, you know, it's it's the Joseph moment. And I'm going to do this because more than ever, it's becoming obvious and clear that um, embracing just what is popular in the world is not going to be the easy path to sanctity and um, fulfilling the ultimate call, vocation that we have as a family, which is sanctification, sanctifying ourselves and our kids and um, living that life of faith to get to heaven, right? That's what we want. That's what we want for our kids. So Um, So as I mentioned, yeah, in about a month, I'm gonna um, it'll it'll become clearer um, ways for you folks that reach out to me right now just by texting or phone calls or emails or through other friends, saying can you know can I talk to Tom about your journey? Because your journey is not my journey. It's like how do you how do you live it? Um, You know, just I've uh, I I just want to help however I can, and so being on the radio is just one way to do that. If I can help in other ways, I'll help you start a school where like I helped with the Classical Aquinas Classical Academy out in Bremerton. I helped with the uh, Regina Chaley Hybrid Academy uh, happening. I think it's based in Kirkland is where they ended up. Um, obviously, helping out here with Chesterton Academy in St. Charles. Um, man, it's just we need more efforts to save kids, just to save these poor kids. Oh, God bless us. And I know you feel it if you've got grandkids or kids at that age. If your kids are younger, you don't feel it as much. You just don't. And you might be saying, this is sounds odd. It, it, it'll maybe sound like extreme. Um, it, it's just it's it's a desire to save you pain and suffering, and your kids' pain and suffering, um, from just watching their faith just be just destroyed. Not, not what we want, but this is the battle that's ours. This is the battle that's ours. And so we better walk our path of faith. So... Um, So today on the program, diving into that, looking at um, this figure in the Gospel of Mark, this young man, and as Father Lewis shared it with me, uh, one of the streams uh, in our tradition regarding the interpretation of who this young man is, is that He actually makes three appearances in the Gospel of Mark. One is the rich young man in Mark chapter 10. One is as this young man, this figure, this mysterious figure in the Garden of Gethsemane that appears, a young man. I'll I'll get to that passage. And then the young man that appears in the tomb in Mark 16. And it's interesting because I had heard other interpretations about Mark 14, the young man in the garden in Mark 16 the young man in the tomb, basically that the young man in the tomb is actually an angel and corresponds to the angels found in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke that are there at the tomb. And in Mark 14, the young man in the, um, in the garden um, was Mark inserting himself into his gospel in a very humbling way as a man who is stripped and flees off naked. But I hadn't heard this interpretation that Father Lewis brought up, and I'm like, "Ooh, cool! Let's dig into that." And so when he mapped it out against the threefold way that the spiritual life, when we walk this journey in the spiritual life, we walk this journey of growth that involves a certain kind of um, a certain kind of uh, purification and preparation, or cleansing and formation. And so a stripping away and a growing and strengthening, right? So there are three stages of this stripping away and growing and strengthening or pruning and then blooming, right? So think about that. If you're going to grow in the spiritual life, there's going to be some things that need to be stripped away and there are going to be other things that are going to then grow and blossom. They're going to be strengthened, and so let's take a look at that, and I want to take a look at it in a way that isn't just saying, hey, here's what the tradition teaches, but to do it in a way that you can understand, that you can relate to here, now, and today. And so remember the three words, purgative, illuminative, and unitive. These are the, This is the threefold way or the three stages of the spiritual journey. And so let's start at the beginning, because... The beginning never leaves. This is one of the principles of the threefold way, is that the things that you lay at the foundation of your spiritual life remain even at the highest levels of the spiritual life. So you don't leave behind the first stage in order to enter the second stage, but the first stage is the necessary foundation. It's the building block so that you can build on it the second stage. Okay, so the first stage, the purgative way— is the way where the uh, the way that we, in our own human nature, experience aspects of the fall. There are dimensions of our own experience of life where it becomes obvious that we aren't living in accord with God's purpose and plan for our lives. That God Himself is not obvious, but rather is obscure. That God is more hidden than known. That God is more unknown and may be accepted as a concept but not encountered as the living God. This is a very, very common thing. And so God intends for us to have a sensitivity to his presence, that we have an awareness that he is. He is, literally, he exists. And that he is present with great power and tremendous love, watching over our lives gazing upon our lives in love and that we never depart from his sight we live our lives in conspectu dei in the sight of god you can go into the secret chamber of the most inner secret chamber of your physical room inside your own secret thoughts in the in the hidden places of your heart and there god is waiting to be discovered waiting to be found but we're not always aware of that. We're not always aware of him. And so the purgative way is the path where our senses, the like connecting point we have to the world around us, our five senses, become purified and formed. They are reformed. They are cleansed, and then they are strengthened to be able to recognize not only the world that is around us, where we have better eyes and ears to see and hear, no, but we have a greater attunement to the Creator in all that we see, all that we hear, all that we taste, touch, smell. All of our senses become ordered towards God. What does that actually look like? What's that process of cleansing and formation look like? What does that mean for us today? How do we grow in that and and really understand why that's so important? Well, I'll get to that in just a minute on Sound Insight, so please stay tuned. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you as always. So today I am reflecting on the threefold way. Like, okay, growing in the spiritual life. You do want to grow in the spiritual life. Wouldn't it be great, right, to be better at your spirituality, to, to be able to be more uh, fruitful, bear fruit. I, I was going to say productive and see more results, but that's all too human, <laughs> a way of thinking. But do you want to be more holy? Do you want to love God better? Do you, do you just want to be a, a brighter light in the world? Just a, how about a better person fulfilling more noble purposes if you said yes to any of these things, keep on listening, right? I hope that evoked something in you and that what it evoked was a desire to say, I don't want to just settle for, for less, for things and goals that are just part of this world. I, I sense inside of me the truth that I was made for more than that it's a beautiful thing. You were made for more than that. You actually made for God, for a relationship with God. And so the first stage of the spiritual life is purging, purgating, purging, cleansing and stripping away those ways of seeing the world, our attitudes towards the fundamental things that are part of our life, namely, what? Uh, our, uh, our wealth, our time, our talents— Right, The stewardship, the stewardship we have over our whole life and then over time, treasure and talent. And we need to have those things cleansed. How easy is it for, is it for us to cling to wealth? Super easy. If you don't believe me, give me your wealth. Whoa, hey, wait a minute. Or, or when you're not looking, I'll take it from you. Whoa, hey, 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 hey. Right? You're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. That idea of being free for the Lord to be able to say, Lord, the wealth that I have is actually the wealth that has come from you. No matter what what way it got to me, whether it was through my efforts and and my career and my work and and all these other things, even those things, trace it back further, do come from you. You know, my whole life comes from you. So really, it it all is traced back to you. And so, well, it really is yours. And so just like my life is yours, Oh, there's that change in attitude. My life is not my own. It's yours. You have purchased—you have not only created me, but you've purchased my life at a price. And so, Lord, my life is not my own. My life is yours. And so I need you to cleanse my attitude that I have around my wealth, around my time. What do I do with my time? How much time do I spend on worthless pursuits, on unworthy pursuits? pursuits on well sinful pursuits are just frankly self-centered and selfish pursuits versus does my time really honor God and God's priorities for my life is my time my own or is my time God's let's see there's wealth or our treasure there's time oh the third one talents What am I going to do with my life? Do I do what I want to do? Or do I discern, God, what would you have me do? And all the gifts you've given, you've given to me for a purpose. And so, Lord, just please help me to discern among all the things that I could do with these gifts, what would you have me do? So those attitudes that I just shared with you, those attitudes towards wealth and time and talent, those are attitudes expressive of uh, a mature attitude, the attitude of a steward, not an owner. A steward, one who is who has God at the center of his life or her life. And so that's... Where we want to be, but that's not always where we are. We're not and, and for for you, you might find it easier to say, Well, I put my life at the Lord's disposal in terms of the talents and gifts I have. I have a harder time with the wealth part. Or maybe it's I have a harder time with the time part. I, I just really want to give God an hour on Sundays and and give him some prayer time, but then I basically want to live the life I want to live. It's kind of hard always saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time? What do you want me to devote myself to? And so uh, that You know that is something that is. It requires conversion. It requires a cleansing, right? It really requires like an exodus. What is exodus? Slavery in Egypt, into the Promised Land. What happens in the middle? All that time in the desert. Well, what happens? You're cleansed of the Egypt slavery, and you're formed to enter the Promised Land. It's that's the dynamic. Do you get it? There's the dynamic. So how does? Cleansing happen. How does formation happen? Okay, the cleansing happens through mortification and asceticism. Asceticism is spiritual exercises. Mortification is dying to self. It's those two things. We have to die to our desires, die to sinful desires, die to the the, the bondages. Ooh, that's a strong word. The spiritual slavery. Ooh, there's a strong word that keeps us in the dark, keeps us weighed down, holds us back. And then we have to exercise spiritually to be able to strengthen those seeds that are sown into our hearts regarding saying, Lord, I want all of my wealth to be seen not as my possession, but simply as a steward. But I don't know how to get there, so please give me grace. You know what that will look like? the lord will prompt you to say give of yourself here give up this felt, this bit of wealth over here generously give over there extend what you're you're working for over here and then repent of this attitude towards wealth here that makes you put too much importance on it that you allow it to impact your identity too much that you associate your your very the, the core of your being with possessions there's the rich young man Here's this rich young man in Mark chapter 10. He comes running up to Jesus. He kneels down before him. It's just a sign of humility. And then he, in front of everybody, and what does he end up saying? He first of all calls Jesus a teacher, a good teacher, and then he goes on to justify all of the things that he's doing to be saved. Right? Oh, I've done all those things since my youth. And then Jesus looks on him with love, and says if you would be perfect you want in okay now go all in go all in go for the perfection of charity that's what this is called the perfection of charity let the perfection of let love conquer your whole life love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul all your mind all your strength there's there's that wealth again all your strength okay you know how to do that what does he say go sell all your possessions sell it all give it all away to the poor and then follow me. What's he saying? I want your time. I want your treasure. I want your talents. All of it. Every bit of it. I want all of you and all of this. I'm not saying that the time that you've spent that has gained you the wealth that you have, that gives you that the talents uh, that make you rich and young and, and have that power in your life and, and the opportunities that are in front of you. I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but if you relate to them in a bad way, they're going to lead you into spiritual darkness. You're going to need to be purged. You're going to need to be set free. You think you're on top of the world. You think that you, you've you got it made. you got all these great spiritual attitudes and... You're rich and you're young. You got it all. You're clever, smart, strategically new. Let, let me go kneel before Jesus. Watch what this is going to do for my reputation. <laughs> you probably had it all planned out. And the Lord is like, no, nope. I want everything. I want you. I want all of you. I want, go all in. Go all in for me. All of it. Put it all out on the table. Hold nothing back. And, What's the, What does the man do? He walked away sad. That's his spiritual bondage. He walked away sad. He had spiritual bondage. He was attached to his wealth. And as a result, he was enslaved by it. He wasn't freed up. That wealth could allow him to buy a whole bunch of things, maybe even give money away and, and do other things. But he was a slave to it. He wasn't a steward of it. Because he couldn't give it away. He couldn't do what the Lord was asking him to do with it. And so he was relating to it as an owner, and he was so attached to it, he couldn't give it away. And so the purgative way is about us repenting, crying out to the Lord for conversion, asking the Lord to forge in us the heart, the spirit of a steward, of a disciple that is all in for him. For that's the only way to grow in the perfection of charity. That's our call. Every one of us, what Jesus asked this rich man to do, it's the beginning of the spiritual journey for all of us. God has given you many great gifts, brothers and sisters, hearing my voice. Many great gifts. If you're a Catholic Christian today, many great gifts are yours. And at the foundation of all of them is your very life itself. And if you recognize and realize that your life is a gift, then the natural, oh, really, the supernatural, graced thing to do is to turn back to that one who gave you the gift of life and say, please, Lord, give me the grace, the gift of following you unreservedly. Give me the grace to say yes in advance of anything that you'd have asked of me. I'll pick up on this theme in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sun Insight. This is Tom Kearns. Great to be with you today. If you enjoy this program, please go to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org. When you go to that page, you can um, sign up for free resources. Just pop in your name, your email address, and you're going to get a link uh, that will allow you to access audio, video, and downloadable books that I've written, talks that I've given, um, all available for free. There's my stewardship. Just want to make it available to you free of charge. If you want to give a donation, that's great. Not required. But, It's my attempt to be of service to you, not only on the radio, but in other ways. If you go to MyCatholicFaith.org you can get access to all of those free resources. You can also access this program if you want to hear it again or share it. You can sign up for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. The link is right there on MyCatholicFaith.org. You can also email me. There's a way to contact me if you want to give me any feedback about this program, which I always appreciate. It would be great to hear from you. If you do go um, and subscribe to the Apple Podcast, be become a subscriber, and rate the program. Rate it. Rate it a five, if you if you think it is, um, and that'll help the program. It'll give it more visibility so that other people will listen to sound insight. The podcast is called the Dr. Tom Curran Podcast. It would be awesome to be able to hear from you, to connect with you, and to be a blessing to you by sharing more resources. Today in the program, I'm talking about this Uh, threefold way—the purgative, the illuminative, and the unitive way—connecting them to this figure of the young man in the Gospel of Mark. The rich young man appearing in Mark chapter 10 really beautifully, powerfully lays out the purgative way, that first stage, the beginning stage. And so in the beginning stage of the spiritual journey, um, we pray in ways that are very visible, that involve our senses. And so, singing, singing songs of praise, Um, listening to beautiful praise and worship, Gregorian chant, other beautiful um, works of music to help stir your spirit. We pray audibly. It's called discursive prayer. Now that you can discourse, you can speak to God in prayers out loud, using prayer books, using the prayers that you were taught or prayers that you can memorize. It also involves other prayers that you can get in prayer books. So I really appreciate great uh, prayers written by wonderful saints, super helpful because they embody such great insight in their prayers. Um, So it also involves the spontaneous prayer prayer. Where you speak from the heart, you share with the Lord what is on your mind. And remember, what are we trying to do in this first stage of the spiritual life? We are trying to uh, enter into that process of purgation, of being cleansed, stripped away from those attitudes that make us the owner of our own life or of the time, treasure, and talent that is ours. And instead, we are begging that the Lord would convert us into stewards where it becomes our greatest pleasure to pour our lives out fully for the Lord. God, I just give you my life. I give you my whole life, Lord, please. I don't even know what it means. I don't know where it's going to lead. I just say to you, Jesus, please accept my life. I give my life to you. I thank you with all my heart for creating me. I praise and worship you, Jesus, for redeeming me. I worship you, O Holy Spirit, And I beg you to come and prompt in me whatever it is you'd have me do. I commit right now to say yes to whatever prompting you ask of me. I will say, I will do, I will think, I will avoid, I will act, uh, I will step back. What would you have me do? Please, Holy Spirit, increase within me the capacity to discern and the strength to obey. Give me the grace to obey you quickly and completely. This is what I want for my life. This is what I want for my today. I surrender my plans. I surrender all of my calculating. I surrender all of my own thinking about the way my life should unfold, the way my marriage should unfold, the way my family's life will unfold. And I entrust my my wife, Carrie, and my marriage into your hands. I entrust my children, each and all of them, into your hands and all of their vocations into your hands. I give you everything, and Lord, I know even as I say that, parts of me resist you, and so I beg you, I ask, I plead with you to conquer in me all that resists you. Come as a mighty warrior and overthrow the rebellious heart that lives within me. Sever my connection to spiritual attitudes, to historical behaviors that are sinful and that leave me in spiritual darkness and bondage. Bring the bright light of your love, the fire of your Holy Spirit to cleanse and form me so that I would honor you today at a whole new level. And Lord, I just say, come and surprise me. I say yes to any surprises that you want to give me, to bless me, just because you're so pleased with my offering of myself to you, even though you are the one who prompted it in me. You are the one who is guiding me in the prayer. Please, oh God, just have your way with me and how you bless me as a father. Just show me your fatherly care. Extend to me a sign of your fatherly generosity. I just love you, Father, but I want to love you more. I look forward to heaven. I hope in heaven. Lord, life on earth is so short, and I look forward to heaven, and I just so want all those that I know and love to be with me, for us to be together with you around your throne, together with every single human being that is on the face of this earth. And so, Lord, I just offer my entire life towards that end, towards that purpose, for the glorification of you and the fulfillment of your saving will for all of humanity. Please just use me in that great purpose. Let that be the purpose of my life. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I wasn't planning on praying that. I was just literally just starting in on what does a discursive prayer sound like? That is a prayer that comes from the heart. What what is a disc? I was praying a purgative prayer. I was praying a a prayer that was purgative. I, I was basically saying, convert me, Lord, or I won't be converted. Lord, I've got stubborn attitudes that keep me in that slavery in Egypt, like the Israelites were. And Lord, you're going to have to do some like mighty works to kind of get me out of that slavery and get me out into the desert where you can start cleansing me with your holy fire, purifying me from the attachments that I have, the things of this world, as good as they are, if I'm attached to them, that I'm not free in my use of them. And so that's, you can see how that, that's the discursive prayer. You also notice that that discursive prayer was what? It was that expression of, I, I want to be all in. I, I, I desire to be all in. I'm committing to be all in, but Lord, I don't even know what that means to be all in. I, I don't know how to get there because I know that I'm not all the way there. <laughs> right? There's the quandary. Right? There's the, well, not that's not the quandary. That's the reality. Right? The reality is that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The reality is that uh, even as I am holy because of baptism and the Lord lives within me, I also am in need of purification because of the brokenness that is part of my life. And so um, I just, um, as I take a look at the life that the Lord has for me, what do I want? I I just want to live a life that aims me and those I love towards the, um, towards the promised land. And so that was the spirit of my prayer. Right, that was the prayer. It was a surrendering prayer. It was an abandonment prayer. It was a prayer crying out for conversion, crying out for help. And you know who can make that prayer? You can. You can. It's it's the it's a prayer of the purgative way. And so I I shared it with you. You can if you liked the prayer, if you found it to be a blessing, and you, it's like, oh, I can join in on that. I can I can amen that prayer. Um, you can go to MyCatholicFaith.org. It'll be posted later today as a podcast, so you'll be able to listen to it. Um, but that is, that's my hope. I, I shared the prayer. Again, I was prompted to do it. Isn't that funny? I was saying in the prayer, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. <laughs> and that was what I was prompted to do. <laughs> God's got a sense of humor. But um, it's a pretty vulnerable thing to pray that way, right? It's a pretty vulnerable thing to pray that way. But, this is, this is going to help like, get you on the journey. This is going to help you like dislodge some of those big boulders that get in the way of um, living a life that is glorifying God. So I, like I said, the purgative way is not something that you, you do once and then you get over it and you move on to the illuminative way. No, it's something that you carry forward with you. So how often do I pray a prayer like that? Like the prayer that you just heard me pray? You know the answer, right? Like every day, like every day, I, I never leave that prayer behind. Maybe that's why it comes easily, is that it's been a constant mode of praying. Because once I stop doing that, I think, Oh, I, I've arrived and I, I don't need to do that anymore. That's when I'm like really locked in darkness. So, well. Uh, I didn't even get through the purgative way. I guess I'm going to have to continue this tomorrow where I can dig further into, finish up the purgative way and then get into the illuminative way and, well, eventually the unitive way. I'll get there this week, maybe even tomorrow. All right, thanks so much for walking with me. God's blessings in your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.